0: I'm your Village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So, this week I have a couple of questions to answer. The first one is probably a really common one parents are dealing with right now, and that's sibling, bickering, fights, and rivalry. Now, these are difficult anytime, but right now I'm sure a lot of families are dealing with even more bickering and fighting than usual with so much family togetherness. The second question is about a friend visiting who's having potty accidents at their house. Now, while most of us are not having play dates right now, some cities, states, provinces, etc., either have dates for starting steps to start getting back to integrating and minimizing social distancing, or they already have started. So when this happens, play dates are likely one of the first steps many of us will participate in. So I'm going to answer this question about not just as it relates to potty accidents, but really anything for setting boundaries with families or kids who aren't our own, because this can be a bit tricky and something very few of us feel really comfortable with doing. But first, as is my new custom during this time, is to check in with a few words of encouragement and updates during our stay-at-home order. You know, for me, one day I will have a great day. I'll feel like I'm crushing it and I'll feel like I'm just gonna sail through and the next day, boom, I'll just feel like I hit a wall. I'll be anxious, frustrated as can be, and I think what I've realized is that these feelings are going to come and go in waves. And to just appreciate the up days, get through the hard days, knowing that tomorrow or the next day will likely be much better. Now, I've really focused on appreciating the positive things. Just like I talked about one of the first episodes about one of those tips and tools for kind of getting through, is that as much as we can to focus on the positive things that happen each day. Those little wins, the goals I set for myself, seeing my kids make it through, growing closer as a family, knowing this will be something very defining in my children's childhoods. But I've seen a lot of positives in them, including Knowing that my children are already and in the end will come through this with so much more appreciation for every little thing in their lives. You know, as a parent in this day and age where kids seem to be able to get almost anything they want instantly, one of my goals has been to teach my kids appreciation. I know and understand everything they have the privileges with material possessions, socioeconomically, racially, and for my boys, their gender as well. I always wanted them to understand this to whatever level I can help them do that. But it's really hard to teach kids this without them being immersed in it. Well, now they're getting that lesson in spades. I finally went to the grocery store for the first time in over a month. I came home with some of our regular family foods and some, which are some of their favorite foods. I have never seen them so excited for bagels and cream cheese. Now, my oldest son is also bored because his teacher isn't allowed to give him any extra work. The school district wants to minimize the work so as not to overwhelm any of the kids because just so much struggle mentally and emotionally for a lot of these kids, so they're trying to keep the workload pretty low, and they've made this as a new rule, and he was already bored. Well, now he's really bored to tears. I found him an online math program, and it uses artificial intelligence to give him the lessons based on his knowledge with the assessment that he took and then throughout the, uh, each of the individual units that he takes as he works his way through the curriculum. So when I told him that I got him this online math program, he's like, yes! It was like living in this alternative reality. The kid was excited to do online schoolwork. But these are just some of the positives that I'm seeing and internally celebrating each day as we work our way through this. So of course here in Los Angeles, we're very populated, we're very densely populated, even though we're way on the outskirts of the county and not really anywhere near the city proper itself. But because the area is so populous, and of course it's been pretty hard hit just because of how many people we have here, it's probably gonna be a little bit longer, two to six weeks before we start to see any kind of opening up happening in our area of the country, or our, or the state, because we're also the hardest hit area of the state. But I am feeling hopeful that in three to four weeks, or four to six weeks, we'll be able to start enjoying some small gatherings again. In the meantime, we've now made it through seven weeks, so very likely more than halfway. And so I'm starting to see the light at the end of that tunnel, the positive changes and growth in myself, in my kids, how they're growing together. And so I hope that you all are starting to see the light at the end of your tunnels, and are starting to get a little bit of relief in seeing these things starting to come about as well. Now, of course, I am extremely cautious, so I will be holding back, staying a little extra safe for a while, staying a step or two behind what is actually gonna be allowed to happen, uh, simply because my husband has a lung condition. He has, um, he's very susceptible to lung infections. When the family got the flu last year, he ended up in the hospital not once, but twice with pneumonia as a complication from the flu. And he now has some scarring in his lungs. So we just need to be really careful in our family. And he had even gotten the flu shot. So I just wanna keep this as far away from him as possible. Okay, so for our question, the first question about sibling fights and bickering. Hello, Erin. Thank you for all of your great parenting information. I have been listening to your podcasts and classes on and off for the last three years. It is such a great resource, and whenever we have a new nanny, we include your classes in their training. My question is how to handle a behavior with my nieces. They live six hours away, so we see them about six to eight times per year. They're currently eight-year-old and six-year-old girls. They are constantly arguing. For example, we take our pony out to ride and they'll whine and say, I wanna lead the pony, Ella got to lead last time. I wanna ride first, Ella got to ride first last time. And it goes on and on about basically everything. I've used the please use a nice voice and give them an example of how to say it. But it's not just the whiny tone, but the constant arguing. My sister deals with it by ignoring or yelling at them and just making the decision, Ella's riding first. My mom watches them a lot, and she just walks away when they're arguing. It is difficult because we're not around them a lot, but this behavior really bothers me when we do spend time with them. When my sister is around, I would likely not say anything, but we do watch them when she is not there, and I would like some advice on how to handle this. Thank you, Maria. So I'm guessing that in most homes with two or more that parents are dealing with, like I said, the fighting a lot more than usual. So with little to no release outside the family, siblings are forced together more than ever. This may mean some more moments of real connection. It also means more disagreements. As parents and even as aunts, uncles, grandparents, we have two goals, or we hopefully have two goals, short-term and long-term. In the short term, we often just want peace. We just want them to stop fighting. In the long term, we wanna give them skills to problem solve together so that down the road, we'll need to coach them and step in less and less. Now, of course, there are short term ways of dealing with it that will end the bickering, but will not assist them in building skills in the long term. These are things like dictating how the conflict will end or setting down a strong consequence just to get them to stop the fighting. So first, I wanna share what to expect by age. At four and under, parents will likely have to step in quite often. Four and under rarely have the tools to work through a conflict. But sometimes they do, and it will surprise you when it happens. They might be struggling with something, and all of a sudden, they have an agreement and are once again Playing happily I remember with my twins quite often it would start to heat up heat up and I think I got to get in there I think it's gonna come to blows and all of a sudden one of them would say something and they would both agree and off they would go happily playing at five to six kids will just start to get better at sharing and cooperating They also now are developing more empathy so now they may be able to talk things through and listen to the other person a little bit better but even so it's really young to have solid conflict resolution skills this episode is sponsored by by heart by heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome, defense, and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. At 7 to 9, empathy is really growing, as are other social-emotional skills. With some solid coaching on communicating needs, taking the part of the other, kids are now really able to work together and work things out without intervention most of the time, at least 50% or more. Now, this is if they've been coached along the way. And this is especially if they've been coached along the way. By this point, if they've been coached all along, they've got some solid skills, 25% or less of the time, kids may work things out really well on their own. age 10 kids should be pretty independent in their conflict resolution but even so emotions can run high at times if it's a toy an activity they're really excited about it's new or they haven't done it for a long time or if outside stresses are affecting things such as living in close quarters through a pandemic expect these skills won't be readily available as when things are going better kids are going to need some assistance sometimes so when And how much, how often do you step in and coach? And by the way, if sometimes you just wanna stop the fighting and the bickering, and you're only going for the short-term goal of peace and quiet, that's fine. We all hit that point sometimes. We're just done. They've been bickering throughout the day. You can just set down the consequence or just tell them who's going to do what first and just say it's not up for discussion. This is how it's going to be. That's okay. It's just good to know that we're working for the short term and know that they won't necessarily learn any skills for problem resolution in the future, and that's okay. Here are some guidelines for when to step in and this is from the siblings class on the website. So there's three different ways or categories of disagreements between kids. These are bickering, fighting, and aggression. Bickering is the little squabbles. I wanna play this, well, I wanna play that. You'll hear it in the middle of imaginative play as they work through the play, or during games as they work out rules, or when they're struggling with sharing and taking turns. Now this is what you're hearing, Maria. You can ignore these so the kids can get practice working things through. If you always jump in, they won't get any practice at working things out. If you find that it really annoys you, you can leave the room. If you find that it's constant, you can also help them work it through on the way they address one another, teaching how to share feelings respectfully, but without solving the problem for them. Let them work through the problem together. So I think, Maria, you're starting to do this, but maybe not scaffolding it all the way. Scaffolding means like you're kind of supporting it all the way. So you're working with them on a nicer tone, but really getting in there and coaching the interaction, the communication between one another. Having them each share their feelings about it. I want to go first because, and letting each child have a chance to speak. I want to go first because she got to go first the last time. That type of thing. And really helping them talk through that, talk it out. Let each child air their feelings and concerns about who gets to go first and why. Help them navigate to the problem solving without giving them an answer or doing the problem solving them. So if you know who actually went first last time, you can point that out, that type of thing. If you need to use a timer because they're concerned about who's going to get a longer turn than the other one, that type of thing. This is a little bit of the sibling rivalry too coming in here. Now these aren't your kids, so there's not a lot you're going to be able to do about the sibling rivalry piece of it, but for those who do have kids who are who are your own kids with the sibling rivalry, the, the siblings class covers Tons and tons of tips for building the relationship stronger just in the first place so that the sibling rivalry, the bickering and the squabbling is a lot less because they're not trying to compete with each other. If it moves to fighting, this is yelling more loudly, where it starts to key up, you wanna wait and listen. Don't jump in immediately. You wanna give them an opportunity to try to work it out, just like with the bickering. Sometimes kids will work things out, and you wanna give them the chance to do that without needing to step in and let them build their problem-solving skills. But if it's getting too loud, too keyed up, or you hear things like threats, name-calling, or it's moving towards that aggression, you wanna get in there. The name calling and the threats is aggression. You wanna get in there. If you can tell it's about to get there, it's likely to get there, definitely step in and help coach the situation, bring the level back down so that they can be at a place where they can communicate more effectively. Once they're fighting, once they're getting too keyed up, screaming, yelling, starting to threaten, that type of thing, nobody's gonna get anywhere. Nobody's gonna learn anything and nobody's gonna listen. So you wanna get in there for that. So basically here, you just wanna play kind of communications coach. You wanna let each child have a chance to air their feelings, give them each a few minutes, let them each feel heard, this will bring things back down, and then you can help them work towards a resolution together without giving the answer as much as possible, kind of supporting it without doing the work for them. The next question is from Elizabeth. My friend's daughter, who is three and potty trained, loves to come play with my son, also potty trained, and they go play in the basement where the toy room is, and she always pees her pants, and the parents never discipline her or leave or anything. What should I do? This has happened at least five times, if not more. I want to say to the child that she's not allowed to go downstairs in the playroom if she wets her pants, but her parents don't discipline her, so I don't want awkwardness to arise between us." Okay, so this is one of my least favorite parts, of parenting, to be honest, setting boundaries with other people's kids. There's a really sensitive line here, so I get that. We don't want to step in and take over another parent's responsibility, but at the same time, we have certain boundaries that are important to maintain. Now, these will be different for different families. For me, it's things like aggressive behavior, whether it's physical or verbal. If it's aggression, I will step in, and I've had to do this in the past, Now whatever your boundaries are, there are some steps and different ways to handle it. You can ask for help from the other parent. Now I know this is not easy, I know it's not fun, but setting our personal boundaries is important. It sets a good example to our kids about positive and mature ways to set boundaries with others. So in this case, If this is the method you choose, something like, we have a rule about being accident-free in the play area. If there's an accident, we need to get cleaned up right away before we continue playing. Basically, just set some rules, whatever the rule would be for your own child. Let them know what it is and why. Now, some things that may come into play is, what is the flooring? Is it carpet or is it something that cleans up easily? How extensive are the accidents? Are they getting a puddle on the floor or on the carpet? Is it getting on the toys? Um, if it's carpet and they're getting on the toys, then you may want more strict boundaries. If it's just getting in the pants or getting wet on a floor that's really easy to wipe up, then you may not need as strict boundaries. Now only you can decide what those boundaries should be based on the setup of the area, the level of the accidents, your comfort level, what type of rules you would have for your own child at home. You may decide you need to restrict the playing until the accidents are a thing of the past, and that's okay too. Now, one thing I do want to be sure to mention is that there should never be a punishment or a discipline for potty training accidents or for potty accidents, Sorry, It's a developmental step. Just like walking, just like learning to read, we'd never reprimand a child for falling down when attempting to walk or who's struggling with reading or math. It just discourages them. We want to be encouraging and also set boundaries about where they can attempt to walk so they don't get hurt, that type of thing. So you wanna do the same thing with accidents. You wanna set boundaries so they don't make a bigger mess. So I don't find it concerning that the parents aren't disciplining, but I would expect them to clean up if it's a puddle on the floor, that type of thing, is get that cleaned up, have their child help clean up. That's one of the things for children who are having accidents. If they have to stop what they're doing, they have to clean up, they have to get themselves cleaned up, then a lot of times it's just easier to go use the potty in the first place than it is to have to stop and get all cleaned up. And so that's one of the kind of the positive discipline ways of during potty training accidents is to have the kids have to stop and get cleaned up. Then they have to stop what they're doing anyway, so they might as well go and use the bathroom. So it kind of helps with that. But obviously this is up to those parents to set that type of rule or boundary for their kids. So, you know, best case scenario, the parents would be stepping in, getting, making the child stop, get cleaned up, get changed, and then going back to play, reminding her throughout play, asking her if she needs to use the bathroom, or putting her in a pull-up. Because it, it really sounds like she's not fully potty trained. Fully potty trained means they're completely aware of the sensation, they're able to feel it and get themselves to the potty even when they're engaged in play or things that are new or novel or exciting. Now some kids will struggle with accidents off and on for a while. They'll do great and then they'll just forget or they'll not feel it when they're engaged in something really interesting. Now one of mine had this and it only stayed in his pants and never spilled over. But we had several bouts of working on training until we got it. He still had to stop what he was doing, get changed, then go back to the play. But we had several bouts of going through this. It'd be great for a while, and then we'd have some accidents. It'd be great for a while, then we'd have some accidents. It just took a little bit of time for him to get the full grasp of it. Now when I talked about setting boundaries, in my case with the aggression, this is just hands down, I don't tolerate it. I did ask the other parent for help. I told her what was happening. I told her I really needed her help, if she could talk to her son, if she could help us work through this. I let her know he was being very verbally aggressive with one of my kids calling names, taunting, that type of thing. Unfortunately, she chose to ignore it. She didn't ask me what she could do, if she could continue to help. I don't know if she ever spoke to him or not, but it just continued. And we had a couple times of talking about it and it just didn't get better. So I had to step in on my own. I had to handle it myself. It did end our quote unquote friendship, but it wasn't really a friendship that was solid anyway, obviously. And it's not the kind of family I wanted to be friends with if they didn't have some really strong rules and boundaries around that type of behavior. So it really was fine with me if the friendship ended at that point. The other option is just not to host play dates with the family for a while. This gets you out of having to have the awkward conversation or setting the boundaries, setting the rules, if it's just is something you're just not comfortable doing. You don't have to say anything. You can just keep the player area accident-free. You could just do playdates at their house for a while. You could say, you know what, today we're going to play upstairs or we're going to play in this area in the kitchen, somewhere that has floors that if you have carpet downstairs and that's your, your concern, an area where the floors are going to be a lot easier to clean. You can just kind of maintain that in different ways if you don't want to have that conversation. If you're having struggles with sibling bickering and fights, or you just wanna help them create stronger sibling relationships, you wanna understand competition between siblings and how this arises, and how you can help navigate that and help them feel confident in their relationships with each parent so they can have a really solid relationship with each other, or you're dealing with potty-training struggles, any other number of parenting struggles, you can see the samples, and agendas for all 50 plus classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. This Sunday will be our third parenting chat for members on our private Facebook group. So if you're a member and wanna join that, again, send an email to Amy a m y at yourvillageonline.com. If you become a member and wanna join, after you sign up, send an email to amy at yourvillageonline.com to get added to that private Facebook group to have a parenting chat with me and get your questions answered right away stay safe and healthy and as always if you have a parenting question you'd like answered send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com thanks for listening and see you next week save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card